It's time for the Max Fun Drive, guys. Yay! Yay! Um, some <laughs> of you guys know what the Max Fun Drive is, but for those of you who are just joining the Max Fun constellation of podcast stars <laughs> i will say um Beautiful. the max i thank you max fun drive is our annual event where members like yourself or people who want to be members can help support our shows and help keep the lights on you're not only supporting our show around springfield but you are helping support all of the other max fun constellation of stars <laughs> If you yourself would like to become a Max Fun star in the constellation, uh, joining <laughs> is super easy. So just visit maximumfun.org slash join to become a member. All right. And so we'll tell you more information in our next break. But now let's get on with our conversation with Maggie Roswell. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And we're, and going, we're going round, round Springfield. Field. That was pretty good that <laughs> it time. Was, that it wasn't the worst one yet. <laughs> I'm excited for this episode. I mean, I I just want to jump in because... Drumroll, drumroll. Drumroll, drumroll. You know her. (laughs) Many, many things. But if you're a big Simpsons fan, as I know you are, you most notably know her as the voice of Helen Lovejoy, Luann Van Houten, Maude Flanders. Heard of her? (laughs) So many other amazing characters. And I'm sure uh, you guys will all... Your mind will be blown. Please welcome... Maggie Roswell. Yay! (laughs) Good. (laughs) Thanks so much for being a part of the show today. We are, I I can't articulate how excited we are. Well, this is so fun. And for all the people, if some of the people don't watch the show, my, my favorite used to be, we moved to Colorado in the very beginning of the show. I did the first years and then we had our daughter and then we decided to move to Colorado. And when we would move to Colorado, like, People would say, I'd say, well, I do voices on The Simpsons. They go, oh, really? Uh, what voices do you do? So I used to do them, which I will do them in a second, all the voices <laughs> I do. And then they go, oh, I don't, let, I don't watch a show. I don't let oh my, my kids watch a show either. And I go, so I just was a fool, which, which makes me feel like a million bucks. So yeah, they basically the were like, dance for me, and then yes, I don't really, care to dance. I, I hate dancing. <laughs> uh, so... They're the characters I do. I do Helen Lovejoy, Reverend Lovejoy's <laughs> wife, the gospel wife of the minister, Will Marge Simpson. What are you doing with a man who's not your husband? I just thought I'd come over and say hello. <laughs> think of the children. Oh, my and God. I do, I do uh, Miss Hope, who was Lisa's teacher, the one with Lyme disease. Children, oh. never kiss a wild deer. And I did my <laughs> Flanders, and I did her for a really long time with my two ch- Christian children, Todd and Rod, until they killed me because I'd moved to Colorado. Oh, that's a long story. <laughs> and then I do, um, so I, yes, and Helen Lovejoy, my flame is Miss Hoover, um, Luann Van Houten is Milhouse's mother. Um, and I did uh, Todd and Rod. Oh, wow. Don't be a butthead, Bart. And um, <laughs> I used to do Dr. Hibbert's wife, Mrs. Hibbert. And uh, so all the things, we've been doing it now for almost 33 years. So we're starting, I think, our 33rd season right now. So that's what we just started. Amazing. Luckily, we've been able to do it from our very own homes. So that's been incredible. Animation, I feel like, is pandemic-proof 
um, yeah. in a way that, that has been really, really encouraging to see. And, you know, it, it just feels like a lot of those productions have kind of seamlessly transitioned into being, you know, work from home and especially for voiceover actors. Like it's right. just so great. Well, see, and for us, I mean, most of the, I came to Colorado. So when we first moved to Colorado, we said, can we do it remotely? And they said, no. So then I was flying myself <laughs> back and forth. And then Ugh. I finally said on the 10th year, you know what? I'm not flying myself anymore unless you pay me, blah, blah, blah. Read about it online. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so they, um, you know, what had happened is they, that I was kind of flying myself back and forth. And then when I finally said, okay, I'm not doing this anymore on entertainment tonight, they said, Maggie Roswell's no longer doing the show because she's too tired to fly from her home in Denver, oh Colorado. God. Like all I needed was a little Geritol. <laughs> And then they'd get me back on the plane. But <laughs> that we all we worked all of that out. And so now I'm back and it's a beautiful thing. So yeah, so we've been doing it for a thousand years. And now <laughs> I'm stuck in a lot more. We just did a show which is going to come up, I guess, well now like a year from now. But you find out really a backstory of Miss Hoover, um, oh, which is yes. very amazing. Yes. yes. Oh. So it's I mean, so that's really cool. There's some so many neat things that they're doing now I think and especially so many things that they can do animation wise that when we first started like the way that Miss Hoover was even created they had decided that they wanted to you know have a teacher for Lisa and then they said okay do you remember and this is like what they would say you know do you remember the segment where uh, Marge paints a picture of Mr. Burns and she also yes. painted Ringo Starr <laughs> so uh, it was called Brush with Greatness. Yeah. So a woman comes up through the crowd. And by the way, they used to say, you know, when he said, well, what about my genitalia? What about this? What about this? And of course, standards and practices at that time said, oh, you can't say that. You can't say that. So finally he said, be careful of my privates. You know, so that's <laughs> what they said. And now you think of everything they say in animation now. Sure. But a woman walks up to the picture of Mr. Burns and says, he's bad, but he'll die. <laughs> And then that was it. He's bad, but he'll die. That was my whole... And then they came back to me and said, you know, we love that character. So why don't we have that as Miss Hoover? And um, you just kind of build a character around that. Wow. So I had to build a character from this little thing of saying, he's bad, but he'll die. And figure out everything from there. And it was kind of... All, the, all of my characters were established in the beginning, established only in that, you know, I was Helen Lovejoy... Reverend Lovejoy's wife. So I thought, God, what would that kind of person be? You know? And right. then I realized she was all the people that would smile at you and then stab you in the back. Yes. It's just what we do. So, <laughs> and I remember there was one I was able to add in, which was great when I was flying in and out all the time. And I saw all the, you know, flight attendants and as people would walk out, they go, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for flying. Thank you. Thank you. So I said, could I add this in? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for praying with us. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Yeah, the uh, dimension that all of the characters that you voice and have, you know, uh, in many ways co-created, like, are, it's just so, uh, there's so much depth there. And they make them such, um, in some cases, fun to love and fun to hate, depending on uh, which character it is. Right, exactly. That, I think, has been the most fun when they, when they, we don't really even know. I mean, the writers are so phenomenal. 
as you know, like a lot of them came from the Harvard Lampoon and um, they are really, really good. Although they had one guy, um, I think it was Ian who had come from Gudger College. So there was one thing (laughs) that um, where they were playing, Luann Van Houten is playing a game and they're, you know, playing like, yeah, Pictionary. And then he goes, we all didn't go to Gudger College, you know, Luann. Oh my gosh. So so they always throw those kind of things in or they'll say things like, well, you know, it's like a tome poem and you go, Okay, I got nothing. What a Tom Pong. Let me help me with that. <laughs> well, while we're kind of hovering over that episode of Millhouse Divided, yeah. I'm sure you know that that is an episode that a lot of fans point to as like one of the top. And exactly. I, I feel like it's partially because it's the first time that we were able to get the dimensions of Millhouse's parents and right. to, you know, get their true dynamic. What was that process like for you? Did you realize as you were stepping in to record that episode that, oh, this is actually like this special behind the curtain for this character that could have just been, you know, a filler, like one-off, they come in, they say something funny to Homer, they leave. Um, exactly. Yeah. No, that, and that really was wild because then you start, she starts evolving into a divorcee. So then she go, right. I'm a divorcee, you know, so that in itself, then she was like wild woman in Springfield to go, Oh, now, now there's, she's a, she's a looker, isn't she? She should just be, <laughs> she should definitely be on Tinder. But, um, but you know, it, I think for us, as we were starting to do it, and it was funny because when they did Luann Van Houten, the, um, and they did the Van Houtens to begin with, Hank Azaria had his line before mine or um, I would have been like, oh, okay, <laughs> I would have been a character <laughs> like he did. And he had it just before, and I went, oh, my God, oh, my God, okay, what am I going to do? All right, then Luann Van Houten will talk like this, and that would be better. <laughs> but it's like that fast, where you've read it before, you're all reading it, but when we would do the show, you would just be standing around in, you know, with, with some people would sit. Actually, the only person really who sat was Harry Shearer, who is still astounding. He can do like 20 voices and be reading the newspaper at the same time. (laughs) But um, he is just amazing. But he would sit down, but everybody else was kind of up and moving and doing all their stuff. And so even though we would have a table read, and then you'd, you'd kind of hear it then, then you were going to, you know, do the, the record. And as you were doing the record, you'd see people come up with these things. So it was, the neat thing was kind of almost like riffing and improvising on what they did. And so your character would become deeper because a lot of the, you know, well, everybody that is there are really strong actors and comics to begin with. So then when you're playing, and I think that that really was kind of the base of The Simpsons. You know, they had a thing in the LA Times one time where they were talking about The Simpsons and they said, it's like a lasagna. Like you keep peeling back all the layers Mm. of that lasagna. And that is how we felt when we were doing it because I I mean, (laughs) I just remember when Harry Shearer Um, Some of those guys would kind of almost like Harry could read it cold and do a brilliant job. So we're doing the table read and they have Mr. Smithers and Mr. Burns. And all of a sudden when he says, you know, something about kiss your ass goodbye and he goes, I'd love to, sir, something like that. And then Harry's (laughs) face was like, uh, 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 so he wasn't even, I mean, not cognizant of the fact like he's in love with you, man. He totally loves you. (laughs) They were just that good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're that good. I mean, and that's the thing is, is that when he was doing it, you can see his face just like going, it was like a light bulb went on for him too. And everybody else at the table going, 
Alrighty then. Wow. <laughs> this, this was a curve we never thought we'd see. I mean, we, we thought perhaps, but we didn't realize it would all come out. But I mean, I don't know if you, have you guys seen all the stuff that they usually do online, all the Trump stuff that they do the first hundred days of Trump and all of that? Have you guys seen that online? I don't know that I have. Oh, well, it's, it's worth the price of admission. They, they <laughs> do the first hundred days and the second hundred days. And there's so many amazing things that they did. In fact, like the most, like they say that the Simpsons predicts everything. You right, know? of course. And they said they tried to figure the most outrageous thing that could possibly happen. And then it was Trump coming down to, you know, the escalator. The escalator. And oh my then God, you yeah. see, um, <laughs> then when you see it online, they've got a little thing where, um, he comes down the escalator and Homer's right behind him and then he falls into his hair. So, I mean, they've got <laughs> so much stuff you cannot believe. It's really, that's kind of the extra stuff that you see from the Simpsons that you that's go, incredible. these guys are amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. I wanted to touch a little bit more on Luann just because she's such a great character. And one of the things that's really interesting about the Simpsons being as long running as it is, is... The nuclear family, of course, doesn't really exist in the way that it did when the show started. And so, right. but you don't want to divorce Marge and Homer, which of course makes for a great uh, point of conflict in the movie, which I'd love to talk about a, a little bit later. But you need to be able to reflect what's going on in society and how women's roles are changing and how uh, different things are impacting children today. And so it was really great that you could have Luann kind of um, almost represent like a lot of women at that time. And I just think that makes her a really like badass character. And I just, <laughs> yeah. she's a hero. It's really cool. Well, see, it, it, it was fun doing, uh, you know, at, like I said, as they would reveal more about your characters as you went along. And now they had one thing we just did recently um, that won't be seen for a long time where all the women are on workout bikes. Now, yeah. that's something that never, ever would have happened before in Springfield or somebody on a phone or, you know, like all of those pieces of that puzzle have now kind of filled in. And I don't know how they will handle the pandemic, but of course they will. <laughs> right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, it's just because all of this in the world is so crazy. And you used to think all the things they did on The Simpsons were so crazy, but you go, ah, no. But I mean, I think Luann has been really a great, you know, a great character to do because all of my characters, which is what they said, you know, when they had killed me as, as um, Maude Flanders, they had a thing, you know, kind of like every woman is, you know, whatever it had on my, um, the epitaph. But <laughs> part of the characters that I did were just more realistic or more human and not as caricature. I mean, even though the way she talks is kind of caricature, but I mean, they still had, uh, like Helen Lovejoy, I wanted her to be that person that you just hated, you know, because <laughs> but you, you didn't realize you hated her until after you walked away. Okay. Yep. Yes, you're so great. Uh, you, oh, you look so lovely today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like that, that yeah. bless your heart kind of. Yeah, bless your heart. Oh, bless your heart. You're yeah. just so great. I really <laughs> like you. She, you know, she really got ugly hair and an ugly body, but oh, bless her heart. I still think she tries as hard as she can. Yes. And then you kind of go, it's like that backhanded compliment that you go, uh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like while we're on the subject, a real power hour for you and your characters was the twisted world of Marge Simpson when it 
the group of women that are kind of like the caddiest that, that oh, you right. happen to voice um, <laughs> right. against Marge and, and the, um, you know, the job fair. And what is, what is that experience when you are, you know, in a scene in an episode and you're basically having a conversation with yourself because you're voicing <laughs> multiple characters? Well, that, and that is really, mindset. really wild because in a lot of the, you know, a lot of shows, what you would do in any other shows, because I did a lot of animation and I did a lot of, I don't know if you guys, you know, I did so much television long before The Simpsons. So I was on camera for years and years before I ever did The Simpsons. And they just, when I did the Tracy Ullman show, they said, do you want to do this cartoon show? And I was like, okay, whatever, <laughs> you know? So no idea that it was going to turn into what it did. But um, I think that, you know, that that is pretty hard. And you watch some of like, Harry does it pretty seamlessly. But in most shows, what you would do is let's do all the, the you know, the Luann, lines and then let's do all Helen Lovejoy lines but this not so much now they just oh. you would you'd be actually reading and playing against yourself going well Marge all right then that's great oh I don't know how she does that you know all of that stuff <laughs> wow. that you feel definitely schizophrenic yeah definitely that's wonderful. Yeah. Schizophrenic. you just have to keep adjusting your vocal cords <laughs> absolutely and then sometimes they'll, they'll say Okay, you had a little Luann in there, you know. That, that, no, that, <laughs> a little like, can you fault me? <laughs> Help me now! I love it. Body. But I used to improvise with um, Robin Williams for years. He's a good friend, and um, that was amazing to watch him do it. And what we did in improv was a lot of that, where we would change characters all the time, and you would have to kind of, if you were playing, if you were improvising with him on stage. Um, and I was lucky enough to do that uh, quite a few times. You would, he had like this Rolodex in his brain that was amazing. <laughs> he could pull in so many jokes ever. And I'll tell you that story in a second. But when you were improvising with him, you play, 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 play. And when you drop the ball for a second, he'd go zoom and be running off. <laughs> um, but uh, so you always felt like, oh no, for a second there we were playing. And then I dropped the ball. Oh. But, um, <laughs> he sat one night after we had an improv show and there were probably 15 comics sitting around a table. I mean, and the age range were people that had been at second city and the compass theater and people that had been at other improv places, but this just happened to be this crew of people. And so people started to tell a joke and they get to the very end and Robin would do the punchline. And he did that for about two hours. So oh that is, and then you go, and then you're saying people, okay, I've got one for you. Then what about, blah, 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 and they go, well, yeah, get, get your hand out of there then. You know, you go, <laughs> oh my God, you know that you've got the punchline. They would do it just as you were ready. You'd built up, ah, there's a punchline. Julie and I both are really interested in your very impressive and diverse background in kind of all areas of performance and it's you know improv and acting and voice acting and there's just so much incredible stuff that you've done and I really am curious how did this all get started for you? I went to a Macintyre High School um, which is you know where um, Meghan Markle went okay like totally <laughs> we only went 85 <laughs> years apart but um, so I was at because I'm seven generations from LA which is why I said it was Maria Margarita because if you go to the um, to Alvera Street, 
my great great grandmother's adobe, the Avila adobe, is on Elvera Street. So, wow. and, yeah, so that was, it. I mean, seven generations from LA, which was really crazy. And they had come from a land grant um, up right near Santa Barbara. Camulos Rancho, which they have as a historical kind of monument place, which they made it a historical monument. And it was this ranch. And we want to say, get off of my ranch. Get out of here. This is my <laughs> land. When I was first going, I'd done uh, plays at um, Immaculate Heart. And then I went to, I, and then I was trying to get into UCLA. And of course the nuns went, oh, you don't have the grades. So <laughs> I thought, okay. So I went to, uh, you know, Los Angeles City College, not realizing that when I was going there, it was probably one, uh, it was like this amazing group of not only actors, but teachers, but people like, that's when Mark Hamill was going there and Cindy Williams and I mean, oh, wow. a million stars oh, of people at that time that went to, and, and Morgan Freeman had just been going there. So all of these people were there, all of these incredible actors and incredible teachers were there from New York and LA and the guy that when people are studying acting Jerry Blunt they use his book and then they also use his book for dialects and all the places wow. that are learned dialects and everything so I I did a show there and um I was doing like guys and dolls or something like that and then um they oh no it was hello dolly and then a casting director saw me there and actually it was like one of those things and they took me to tv they they um, I got cast in Love American Style, which nobody knows, but, you know, people can see it online. Um, but I got cast in Love American Style, and then I got cast in MASH. And I kept thinking, they say this business is hard. They're insane. This is fantastic. Wow. But right after that, I didn't work for about two years. And then mm -hmm. I started to do commercials. And then I was doing, and all this time, my parents, you know, we lived in Hancock Park in L.A. And nice. so they all kind of were hoping that, you know you'd go off and do something or whatever. Nobody was in the business in, in our family. And they were just thinking, and that's the other thing. When I moved to Colorado, I said, they said, what do you do? I said, well, I'm in the business. And they said, what business? So, <laughs> but, so it, nobody was in the business in our family. And now my brother is in music in, uh, in the business. Um, but um, they wanted me to replace Gilda Radner on um, Saturday Night Live and my agent said, that show's going nowhere. So um, <laughs> so I ended up uh, doing the Tim Conway show, which was really fun with Tim Conway and Harvey Corman. And so then that was a series. And then I did like movies like Lost in America and Pretty in Pink and um, Switchback and a bunch of films that I was on camera. So I was doing film and television all of this time, as well as doing plays and you know, doing voiceover. And that's kind of the thing that I tell people now, like when they want to get in the business, you know, they'll say, well, what should I do? It's different in that you can film yourself and not everything right, else. Right. But it's so much harder because I could do commercials and do voiceover and do stage. And I worked on Broadway and all these different things that I could do to make the money to be able to kind of support this crazy habit. And then everybody <laughs> else now you know, there aren't commercials, they're doing streaming and you don't have the voiceovers you have are superstars and any television you have are that. A lot of the times when people are doing Netflix movies and all these things, they have a set rate. We used to do top of the show. There was so much that was different at that right. time. But um, when I did Tracy Ullman, I wasn't even going to do the Tracy Ullman show. So that's what's pretty funny. Wow. As um, Fran Drescher 
had, there was a sketch that they had. And so my agent called me and they said, Fran Desher doesn't want to do this sketch. I said, okay, what is it? And they said, well, you'd be singing um, leader of the pack with Tracy and this guy, Dan Castellaneta. And I was like, all right. And then they said, but I don't know. Why doesn't she want to do it? And she said, she doesn't sing, but you'd be singing with uh, Carol King and Clarence Clements of the East street band. And I went, Oh my God. Whoa. You know what? Yeah. All right. I, I think I could do it. So then I did that show and literally the casting director, Bonnie Pietula at the time came up to me and said, do you want to audition for, you know, they're going to do a, a full version of the Simpsons, which I had never seen on Tracy Ullman. And, and so like, then I said, yeah, I love that show. Well, yeah, that would be a, I love that. <laughs> That's how you learn. That's, that's, a, that's the only advice that you need in Hollywood yeah, really, is to learn know, how to nail that. I love that. I love so, it. That really was the, um, that was such a mind blower to then be doing that and still be thinking, yeah, but I want to do film and television. I want to be a star, baby. So then the more I was doing it, and I, when I first started voiceover, it was funny because it was a jack-in-the-box commercial. Someone had heard me on, the, on Tim Conway's show, and they said, I like kind of the gruffness in her voice. So um, well, can she say these lines? And I said, mm, white meat. And then that was it. <laughs> we kept getting, I kept getting in this money, and I went, oh, this is fantastic. I've got to do, look into this. So I did that in LA and in New York. And I was, when I was working on Broadway, which is where I was doing improv with Sills and company, Paul Sills, who was um, the son of, um, of Viola Spolin, who's like the mother of, of improv. We were doing that on Broadway, but during the day I was doing a bunch of voiceovers and commercials. Wow. And so all of that, collectively is really makes this career. But then I think now there's different ways you can break in, but it certainly is not the path that I went down. You know, I appreciate that you are aware of the differences because uh, there are certainly a lot of people who got their breaks and they worked really, really hard, but they kind of fail to acknowledge that each generation is going to have their own sets of challenges as well mm-hmm. as as well as things that make it seemingly you know easier or harder at any given uh, stage. You know, uh, I, I appreciate that. And, and I think for when I'm talking to people getting in the business and especially with women, like both of you guys have these great little voices and you could do like, you know, princesses and stuff in animation. Um, so, <laughs> but, but Are you talking to that, us that Allie yeah, and I can totally. be princesses? You could be a Hell princess, yeah. baby. Oh, yeah, I, be a princess. I knew there was a reason why I woke up today. <laughs> yes, you're a princess, baby. Don't let anybody tell yes. you different. Um, but for me, with my voice, the, the natural um, kind of raspiness that I have is the whole reason that we can all do boys. So mm-hmm. like Nancy Cartwright is like, uh, you know, I'm like 68 and she's like 65. <laughs> and so it's really great. And it really is for all the things that I've been able to do because I was able to do voiceover it made such a drastic shift because I remember when I turned 30 and I'd always done TV pilots and all this stuff. And then I said to my friend, Oh my God, you know, I can't believe I didn't get a pilot this year because of course at that time you think I'll work forever. And so right. <laughs> I said, I didn't get a pilot. And, they, and she said, well, you've never been over 30 before. And I was oh, like, God, what? <laughs> I know. And you go, Oof. Oh, I, I remember when I was doing on camera stuff, they, you know, you could never be older than the character you were going to play. So like, if you were 24, you would not know what a 22 year old felt like. Oh my God. You're an actor. <laughs> so your agent would always go, okay, then tell him you're 22. So then there was a point there where my little sister said to me, 
okay, am I older or younger than you now? And I said, oh no, you passed me up years ago. I'm so much younger. I had, I had so many fun. They were telling me in IMDb, she actually was able to convince somebody she was 10 years younger. So that, that they put on IMDb because you kind of go, everybody knows what everybody is now. And now right. in Colorado, it's kind of fun to be able to tell people how old you are because in LA you went, I don't know how old I am. I could be anything. What do you want me to be? <laughs> yeah, like your, your life. Your life is a constant, like, carnival game of, like, guess oh, my is. age. <laughs> yes, guess my age. What am I? Come on down. There was a point in L.A. now where everything is such an algorithm sometimes that they sure. say, no, you have to be in your 60s. You have to live in a cul-de-sac. Okay, check that off. Okay, you've got all of these things that you have to be now, and you can't possibly play any younger, any older. Because for me, in voice-wise, what was happening, you know, with um, – Sometimes it would cast me now is they'd say, well, you know, you're like um, 68 years old and you go, so they go, she's a grandmother, which, you know, I could be a grandmother. I'm a, I have grand kittens now, but um, I don't have a grandchild, but I could be a grandmother, but they want a grandmother's voice. Well, unless I'm putting on a grandmother's voice, it's not really going to be a grandmother, you know? So you go back. There's so many people that already have that voice. And for me, mostly they pick my age range you know, I can go, you know, younger, I can maybe go into the 20s or, you know, whatever, or getting a little bit older and doing that or having the money voice, which is just like this, like they do on the newscasters. <laughs> you know, all of those voices I've had to learn, but this was interesting for voiceover and an interesting thing. When I first got from on camera and was going into BO, they, um, I, I kept thinking, oh, this is a piece of cake. Are you kidding? I'm an actor. I can do this. And I always tell people, it's kind of like, as an actor, you'd go, you know, they'd say, read this line, the cat ran down the street. You go, the cat ran down the street. And you go, oh, the cat ran down the street. Hey, you know, and then they'd say, okay, now as a voice actor, you say, the cat ran down the street. Okay, could you see that with more of a smile? The cat ran down the street. Okay, <laughs> you see it a little more sad? Wow. The cat ran down the street. <laughs> so all of those little, little things was the reason I wasn't hooking into voiceover. So then I started taking a bunch of classes. Like I always tell people, just keep studying. But a lot of people are like, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to be a star. I need no studying. I'm a natural. Right. <laughs> right. Because I think that so many people place like um, emphasis on natural talent too. And right. then right. I feel like that just is feeding directly into the ego of the person who A, doesn't want to put in the work to take classes and be right. a perpetual student. And, you know, B wants their ego to be fed like, you don't even need, you're perfect. You came perfect out of the gate, you know? Yes, exactly. And, yeah. And that's, and I think that that is when, you know, when I'm kind of talking to people, especially about the business and stuff like that and about acting is really realizing how much it takes to be able to sound natural. Mm -hmm. And for me, because I had a hard time with the money voice stuff because I talk so fast. So when <laughs> I was talking slow... It was really like someone had given me a bunch of drugs and I could hardly, I mean, it really was like you go, oh my God, but there are people that naturally can make that happen. And then when you have like, you know, the, the mom that is saying, you know, when my kids go to blah, 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 I need to have this. And then when you're doing that, they go, that's great. Or for me, when they would say, we love that raspin to your voice, we want her to sound like a mom and yet sound sexy. So I would like go, okay, kids, then we can do that. And then I would get the job and I go, could you sound a little less sexy? Okay, kids, why don't you come over here? <laughs> 
But anyways, <laughs> so what else, kids? What else do you want to know? <laughs> well, uh, now's actually a good time for our uh, our break. During it, our listeners will think about uh, how sexy they want their mom voice to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, baby. Hey, everybody. So you might have seen that Maximum Fun was reaching out to listeners to get some comments about what Maximum Fun means to them during this time. And I wanted to share what Erica in Davis wrote. She said, you have no idea how integral Max Fun is to my mental health right now. Listening to podcasts has always been a way for me to learn new things slash laugh and take up space my anxiety brain would use for ill. But podcasts are now even more important. Really, just keep doing what you're doing. Thank you, Erica. Oh my gosh. I echo that sentiment personally as a podcast listener as well as a podcast (laughs) provider. (laughs) It's been, I mean, you guys know we're all in this together and we're all feeling, you know, isolated because we are. (laughs) And I think that podcasts, I mean, they've always been a really intimate medium where, you know, it feels like the hosts are our friends more than these distant people, you know, um, through time and space. And I think that that's especially true now. I I really look forward to the days that um, my favorite podcasts drop and Honestly, that's how I'm measuring time. (laughs) Well, it's been two podcasts since I did my laundry, mm, so I think I should do another. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, you guys, uh, I'm sure we all understand um, that it is a it is a very difficult time for many in the world, and there are so many worthy causes, especially right now, that you could be giving your money to. And so, we're asking you this, uh, knowing that not everyone's in the financial position to become max fund members, and we completely get that. Mm -hmm. However, if you are in a position to invest in the show, we would appreciate your support so much because it really helps us continue to give us those podcast episodes that you guys love. And it just keeps the lights on, like Julia said. And it's, you know, it's a situation where if you can, it's going to go such a long way. And we're going to thank you so much for that. So, if you would like to contribute to the Max Fun Drive, um, it's very, very easy. So just visit maximumfun.org/join, and you'll see all the ways you can give. Most people choose five dollars or ten dollars a month, um, and some support at twenty dollars a month or more. It's really a, an amount that you feel comfortable with, and um, you know we're grateful for whatever you feel like you can help at this time. We know that it's really difficult, but you know if if you can afford it, we would just so appreciate it. I know me and Allie will, all the other um, podcast hosts will. It's it's just something that, you know, can help us continue all the great shows that, you know, we are so proud to bring to you guys, the listeners. So whatever level of support you're comfortable with, um, just go to maximumfund.org slash join. And it's super, super easy to fill out the form and you'll be off to the races in no time. So we want to tell you about some of the gifts that you guys can get if you guys become members. Yeah. So for $5 a month, you get bonus content, baby. What does that mean? Yeah, baby. (laughs) (laughs) For us, it means we have special episodes with um, guests like uh, Denise and Karma, um, who wrote, there are these two amazing professors, college professors who teach classes (laughs) on The Simpsons, which like... 
I want to go back to college just to take, um, mostly because I'd <laughs> like to get some of my college credit for doing the shit I would already be doing. Um, but they are very, very smart people who have written very, very smart books about The Simpsons. We had an amazing bonus episode with them talking about, you know, the kind of classes that they teach and like their own, you know, devotion and, and their own fanaticism of The Simpsons, very similar to ours and probably to yours as well, if you're listening to this. The next tier is such a great tier, guys. Personally, I'm so excited because every year when we find out what the gift is going to be, I get so excited at the design. $10 a month is the enamel pins. Yeah, yeah. And this year, (laughs) it's, I mean, we've really outdone ourselves. I think so too. In the past... As, as you may recall, we've had the Horny Marge enamel pin. That was really so fun. Good. We had the potatoes one. I just um, think I they're just neat. I just think they're neat. <laughs> yeah, one of our favorite Marge lines. This year, because we are around Springfield, baby, it looks exactly like the Ion Springfield logo from the show. I mean, just different enough so that Disney legal <laughs> doesn't <laughs> come after us. Um, but it's so cool. I can't wait to get one myself and, you know put it on my my jean jacket and walk around town or really around my house because I can't go around town right now. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. At the $20 a month, we have our really amazing special gift. It is the Maximum Fun Game Pack. And so this includes branded dice in a custom velvet bag. Yeah, velvet Mm. with the rocket logo. How many things do you have in your life that come in a velvet bag? Not enough. (laughs) Unless you're addicted to Crown Royal. (laughs) Some people are. Some people are. And, you know, this is for them. But it's also for people who just (laughs) love Max Fun. And they want to have a custom deck of cards that are going to have Max Fun inspired designs throughout. I can't think of anything better, especially during this time. Like, can you see yourself in a national park that's just recently been reopened around a campfire playing cards? <laughs> I can. I want to do I it. I can. So, you know. Uh, another gift that goes very well with camping is the Rocket Camp logo mug, which is for $35 a month. But we just want to thank you guys uh, so much. And, you know, we're just so grateful to those of you who have supported us in the past and for the new people who are going to be joining us, um, not just for ourselves, but for the entire network, because it just makes such this amazing constellation of Max Fun stars. <laughs> <laughs> so go to MaximumFun.org slash join and uh, become a star, baby. And we're back. Oh, Yay. man. Oh, I feel like I, I went too deep in that thought exercise, and now I have to book a, an appointment with my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maggie, I just want to, I, I feel like I know the answer to this, but as you're going through all your voices, are you the voice that gives the instructions on the Simpsons ride at Universal? Actually, I am not. Oh, I, I don't misfired. But you know what? I, I could have been. I don't know. See, this is what was so funny is also when you would like talk it like you're talking about some of the shows that we did like 15, 20 years ago. And now we've done it 33 years and people go, well, remember last Sunday when you did right. the blah, 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 and you go, you go, I got nothing. No, tell me a little bit more. I, I mean, and- people can ask me what happened last week and I have no idea. I'm like, I know you go, I, I got I? nothing. But they also, when you see the scripts, a lot of times they will take stuff and change it. And what they've done with me now that I live in Colorado 
is they will add in a lot of, like they'll have the show and sometimes they'll have me as one of the characters in the show, but other times, because they're so sweet and throw me a bone every now and then, is that they will um, have my characters come in and make it more current. So mm. they had something where they were doing intelligent design, you know, when they were saying about that. And um, the Miss Hoover goes, pass your books back on evolution as I bang the drum slowly. <laughs> so it was just like, they just added that in because people were talking about intelligent design and evolution and all this stuff. So there's characters, things that they'll have me do now, which make it more current. And, you know, maybe that's where the pandemic part will come in. It'll be really interesting to see Miss Hoover <laughs> trying to be at home for long periods of time. And Helen Lovejoy figuring out how she's going to work that out. I feel like Miss Hoover is like, she, she speaks for the people. <laughs> There's oh a lot God. of things that she says that I'm like, oh yeah, preach it. Oh, we'll see. And also for everybody that teaches. And she's just, she's just that horrible teacher that should never have stayed on so long. Oh right? And God, now definitely. she knows that's the whole deal that you go, okay. I mean, they had one, which we laughed because they had like a little thing where Lisa said, you know, um, that it was one of the times when she got a bad grade from her. And then she said, I got a B or I got a B plus. And she goes, Oh no, the B, that was the Drambui. No, wait. And she goes, that was my Drambui at lunch. So that's one of the little things that they'll say that obviously she drinks at lunch. She sits there, you know, smokes her cigarettes. Yeah. And um, Marsha Wallace, when she was alive, we would always talk about our characters with Mrs. Crabapple, which is Mrs. Crabapple is why they call uh, her Crabapple. I've been calling her Crandall. <laughs> yeah, hey, Mrs. Crandall. Um, but, uh, but we would talk about our characters as being just those teachers that you go, no, you know what? They should have gone a long time ago and they are just you know the, god bless them they're still in there <laughs> something uh really interesting about the character design of miss hoover is that like if you look at her hair and her glasses and the little kind of tied ribbon around her shirt it really is kind of it's it's a popular look now like it's actually become something that's trendy and she kind of looks like a lot of my friends who are you know in their early 20s and it's kind of like this she's oh, trending. Wow, she's and hot now <laughs> well see and, and they were with some of the the character creations and the way that they did things i remember they had when they were doing um elizabeth taylor coming in you know some of the guests that we've had have been Amazing. And that's when we would really sit around for hours in when we first started for the first 10 years would be doing the table read on a Thursday, then they'd rewrite all weekend and then would come back on Monday and would start and would do some of the scenes and they would l listen to some of the scenes and then they'd go back and write. So you could be there for eight hours. That doesn't happen wow. anymore, certainly not now, but also when we would do, when I was doing um, Hanna-Barbera or any of the other animation shows that I did, you'd come in, you'd do the show, you'd leave. And when I did um, Fire and Ice, which I did for Ralph Bakshi, that was a thing into itself. But when I did Fire and Ice and um, Mighty Mouse with Ralph Bakshi, I mean, he liked it where it was just totally raw. Like he wanted you, they would, he would hand you the script just before you wouldn't be able to read it. You'd basically be reading it cold because he liked how raw that was. <laughs> so <laughs> you had all these different people and see my husband, Hal Rail is also um, a voice actor. So he did um, GI Joe and Transformers and oh, uh, wow. Muppets and all of these different um, series. That's amazing. Um, so uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the company that you and your husband created together, Roswell and Rail? Yeah, Russell and Rail, we wanted to do um, 
you know, we had done comedy radio in LA for a really long time with a Burt Burdison company, a bunch of different companies. And so then when we came here, we were writing, producing radio and TV spots. And then now he's just, you know, we just did a thing for, um, of what was the secret project for Disney. Um, and now that's kind of, everything's on hold. So it's like you kind of watch that kind of stuff where they go, okay, if I tell you, I'll have to kill you. But, um, they, you know, it was um, uh, like an artificial intelligence. So it was, you know, definitely an AI that you interacted with. So all of that, that in itself was like a whole new process for us, not only doing that and recording that, but also seeing how they were creating it and what they were trying to do with it. And now with everything frozen and certainly with, I mean, because the Disney, you know, with um, going through everything with the um, the parks and all of that stuff, trying oh, sure. to regroup in that, you just go, oh, no, 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 wait, wait. Remember that project? It was really, really good. I know. I really want to do it. Oh. I mean, I, I tell you, I'm right there with you. On, on, that's basically the tenor of all of my emails for work right now. I'm just like, uh, hey, hey <laughs> I know the world is burning, but like, I but, would love, you know what? I, I would love to do that for you right now. <laughs> I'm so available. You don't even realize how available. You don't even realize how available I am. <laughs> and that's, you know, and working out of our studio here, it's really a blessing because when we've been doing the show, um, and especially everybody was, you know, sheltering. And now Harry Shearer is in um, uh, New Orleans and Julie Kavner is sometimes in L.A., but I think um, on, you know, in back in New York and in the Midwest and Hank is in New York. So everybody's kind of everywhere. But what happened when people started sheltering is the places that were sheltering didn't necessarily have a recording studio. Mm-hmm. Now, right. Hal and I had our studio. But it was wild because I think my daughter heard Yardley on one of her podcasts talking about how she was like going from room to room to decide which would be a good room to record in so that she could do the show as well. So it's like you kind of think how weird this is that everybody was in this bizarre world of going, if I go into my closet, is that good? Okay, <laughs> right. the kitchen. How does that sound? <laughs> which adds like another bizarre layer to what is already so bizarre about our Yes, which are already kitchen. bizarre. Exactly. Yeah. Where you, you know, you're, you're trying to figure it out. And we were going, I was going to another studio when we were doing, um, you know, to picture pieces of it, but then we had to do it here at our studio. So do even that doing it to the studio, you're trying to figure out, okay, what's the best way for me to do it to picture yet to record it yet to have them um, be, you know, like when, when I finally figured out zoom, <laughs> we had a couple of um, the producers on there and um, our script supervisor and the studios that they're working at at Fox and everybody was at their home. And so there's like nine little boxes that are looking at you. And what made me laugh is when we were actually doing one of the shows, I was realizing I was playing the camera instead of the microphone. I went, okay, you know, old, old habits die hard. I probably should have been more on the microphone. I don't know. Call me wacky. <laughs> it's true it's so cool talking to you today and then looking at you know the things that you've worked on and just the life that you and your husband have created for yourselves it's really remarkable and um you know one of the things that's been really interesting and and almost even a mission statement of our podcast has been kind of taking our heroes specifically the voice actors and writers of the simpsons and kind of finding a way to 
ground them in a way that we remember like, well, they sound perfect, but they must have something that made them insecure at some point in their career. Otherwise, I'll never succeed. (laughs) (laughs) So can you dish on something that makes you seem less than my like golden god that you are? Oh my god. There were so many special (laughs) moments of things. I was just reading a thing at Vanity Fair that has um, Catherine O'Hara in there. And she was talking about, um, you know, these different movies that she had done and that, you know, going up for the auditions. But I've had the, the amount of, um, of rejection is so astounding. It is so <laughs> amazing that you can't, I mean, that's the part of it that you've got. I used to go, ah, they're lost. But now as you get older, you go, really? They don't want me? Oh my God. They, my agents used to always say, well, they went another way. And I went. I want to be in the other way agency. I yeah. want them to go my way. <laughs> oh my I God. I've that, that thought happen. so many times. <laughs> oh, yeah. so many times when you go, oh, they went another way. Okay, Different direction. Personally, and you go, but it's pretty much me. Yeah. And that's the reason that doing voiceover was great because you'd send your voice out there. You didn't get the job. There you go. All right, whatever. But when you get all ready for an audition and you go out there and then they go, you know, no. But thanks anyway, you know, it just didn't quite work. I were, you know, all the, and I also was auditioning in New York where I was auditioning for stage shows and auditioning for Hal Prince and all these people. And here I am singing and doing this stuff. He said, God, you know, I really wish I was doing a company of company. And I said, you know, I wish you were too, because I would like to be cast and that would be good for me. And it's like, I'm trying to think, what would be some of the really scary, bad things? Oh, there are so many how do I talk? I, I remember, okay, so um, I was doing a summer thing, and it was the first time doing Shakespeare, and they had two newspapers in LA at the time. They had the Herald Examiner and the LA Times, and so, uh, you know, what they say about actors is you can always remember, like, nobody remembers all the great, you know, um, accolades you've ever gotten. You remember your worst reviews, right. and they, when I was doing, um, what was it? Not as you like it. I was doing another one with, oh, Twelfth Night. So I was a lead in Twelfth Night. And at one point, one of the, the people put Maggie Roswell overacts to the point of irritation. <laughs> oh, no. And when you see that, you know, you see it in there. And see, that's why you see now, like that was just a little print. What is astounding to me are the people now that like, like for my Facebook, um, you know, I get obviously very political about Cheeto head in the white house. You can cut it out or not, but, um, oh, anyway, no. so it's, it's important. So, um, I mean, they, he's bad, but he'll die. But he'll die. We only can hope. <laughs> so, um, Oh, see, I lost my train of thought because, you know, it, 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 he makes me when so When you were insane. doing Twelfth Night. Oh, was that right? Thank you. I was doing Twelfth Night. <laughs> Let me see. Oh, no. So now with Facebook, like when, like, Someone from my age, you know, I, like my daughter is um, almost 27. For her, the, she has the interaction. She's got Twitter where she's interacting with people. They agree. They don't agree. People are calling them names. Everybody's going back and forth. My Facebook and one of my friends uh, from my um, high school had said, you know, you have a bent to your Facebook. I said, uh-huh. And she <laughs> said, political. And I said, uh-huh. Yeah. And she said, is it for like a certain, I said, yeah, it's for a certain crowd. And if somebody doesn't agree, I just delete them. That's it. And she goes, Oh, so I said, so I left because I thought, no, 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 I'm not looking for the interaction on it. I just want to say, this is how I feel. If you feel that great, if you don't, I don't really care. I just thought I'm, I'm getting it out there. But right. I think of all the people now, if I was on camera now 
and people were making fun of me and oh she looks fat on camera and all of the horrible things the horrible things that they say to people whatever all those things that you think I mean back in the day when I was a kid I you know to get into the business you definitely have a have to have a thick skin but I think the skin that people have now is amazing because mm -hmm. it's so painful and even when they you know they do on some of the talk shows where they say you know read your um you know the the worst tweets that you've gotten and i think of all those things and it's just it's so mean and i remember when our daughter spencer was um in school and they actually had a website you could go to and people could just take pot shots at you and tell, not tell you who they were and I thought it's kind wow. of like the whole world is like high school all over again. And I used to say to her, I said, if you can get through Cherry Creek High School, you can get through anything, babe, because <laughs> it, you've got the mean girls and you'll always have mean girls. And yeah. in the business, you really, you used to go into the booth to do your audition and there would be people that would change the little thing on your microphone. So it would go and it would be, you know, you could either do it solo, two people, three, and they would just change it so that you would have a bad audition. Or someone would come up to you, and this was crazy, they'd come up to you and you'd just be, before you go in, and they'd kind of brush something off your shoulder and go, oh, oh, no, no, it's not anything. But it was just enough to take you off your game. Yeah. And then you walk in and you'd, on the way home, you go, why I oughta, you know? So, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, you know, I don't think I have the, um, the, you know, the armor that I used to have when I was a kid. And that, I admire young actors so much for putting up with it, you know, like, these actors that people love them and then of course they'll rip them down and they'll see themselves you know on tabloids and that's probably the best thing of doing the simpsons and the best thing for me is i can either make people go oh my god you're on the simpsons or not i can walk down the street and not have anybody go oh my god look who it is she's wearing those really ugly shorts oh she looks so fat oh she looks like did she lose weight no she didn't what'd she do to her hair oh my god she's older than i thought all of those things that you go that i think that to me with people right now, um, I would say that, that I admire because I don't think I could have the interaction that people do. And I guess that's my thing about saying some of the, the things that don't make you feel like a million bucks is that you go, wow, how can people, how can people be so mean to everybody? Honestly. I mean, now that, you know, <laughs> well, I someone think, think of so the children. Mean. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like Helen Lovejoy's all over the world, you know, yeah. but yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's really nice to be able to talk about that type of stuff and then be able to see like, well, yeah, everyone deals with insecurity or being, you know, getting some type of negative review at least once in their life. And uh, oh yes, you, and I've had many of them. I I've just I've conveniently forgotten the rest of them, <laughs> which great, is probably though. helpful, honestly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, I, I think so. It it is because if you if you really, I mean, if I came home from every audition and there were some you really wanted you come home and you cry. And I remember a friend of mine was a casting director and she used to say, well, it's kind of like getting a kitten and they let you hold it, but it's not really yours. I said, okay, you know what? You go <laughs> hold the kitten and then have somebody take it back from you and you tell me how you feel because it really right. is that you go, you've, you've lived it. You've become that character. You've wanted it. You can, 
taste the money, and then you go, I wanted that right. so bad. And it's so hard because I think that, I mean, we're all creative people, so obviously our minds are very creative too in finding all of these different reasons for why we did or didn't get this role. And when you get rejected, it's like your brain goes into overdrive of like, wait, did I not, did I show that I didn't care about it enough and that's why they didn't give it to me? Or did I show that I cared about it too much? And that's why well, it's like, oh, you can just, yeah. Probably the best thing I ever did, I was um, doing, you know, a friend of mine was a casting director and she said to me, could you come in and read the person that's supposed to read with the actors can't, can't do it. And so can you come in? And I said, sure. And I had worked on Happy Days with Henry Winkler and Henry was directing, you know, whatever it was. So we had a great time. We were talking and stuff and the actors would come in and you'd see from the door, you're just sitting in the chair how actors shoot themselves in the foot or what they do, or if they're too cocky when they come in or all the things that, that I learned, I learned more from just sitting in there that day, watching actors come in to see all the things that I had done. I was very hard for me with after Simpsons because the, the scripts are so phenomenal that then I would go in for on camera stuff that was um, comedies and stuff that would be good but, and especially if you're playing the wife or you're doing something else and you really don't have the, you know, the sidekick or shtick character or anything. And then I'd be really funny coming in the room and doing my stuff. And then I'd read this, this script, but I wasn't kind of bringing anything to the script because for me, there wasn't that much to bring to it. But right. it would look like, wow, she's really funny, but she didn't make our stuff funny. And mm, so dang. you realize you learn so much about yourself and how you are when you go in and go in, do the job, run away. You know, but if you guys, what you guys have to do, which will make you laugh, if you go to Maggie Roswell on YouTube and you scroll down, you're like, I have my own, I have my own channel. But if you scroll <laughs> down, you can see like the, you know, like Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley and Mark and Mindy and a lot of the shows that I did on camera. And you realize all the, the different things that happened at that time. And like a lot of those Gary Marshall shows that were really very innocent and the characters that you could play. And now for the way it would be in Hollywood today is so much, so much more intense. Yes, there's a lot of work with the streaming that they're doing on, you know, Netflix and everything else. But just like I said, the amount of money that used to be there is not, you know, is not there. And now they just, they had Hal and I just audition for a Colorado lottery only because (laughs) the two of us are married. And so they, they were having us, you know, audition for it. So if you got it, you would get it with him. So, and so that's, I guess, how they're doing everything with, you know, COVID and they are having you sign a thing like, you know, if you get it, you won't sue us. Okay, great. Thank you. you know, so, but they figure if we're living together, okay, that's good. And I don't know, a friend of mine was a, um, one of those uh, intimacy coordinators. Well, that whole concept now is gone because they're not going to have a lot of those, you know, scenes unless there's 14 days before everybody has a COVID, th- you know. So much has shifted from COVID, but mm-hmm. it's, I think we're kind of evolving into the next part, the, the sweet stories that you hear of people being together and hanging together. And like in New York, they have this thing in New York Times Day talking about um, all the people that in their little neighborhood that, you know, cause I used to live, I lived in New York for about five years and the people in each hood, you go, hi, how are you doing? Kind of like you do your neighbors now, but they've, they've bonded so much with their neighbors sitting out in front talking, banging pans, all the things in their neighborhood that nobody had really talked to each other before. 
So yeah, I think yeah. that involvement should be, uh, if there's any good things coming out of this, it's definitely, that is the upside. If there is a million downsides, obviously, of course. Um, but you know, but the upside I think is people's relationships and also calling people like you go, yeah. I'm using my voice. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's also been a very good time to catch up on TV. And honestly, oh, yeah. you know, we're all, anyone who's lucky enough to, to uh, not be dealing with like the instant ramifications or health concerns. And even maybe if you, you know, my cousin got COVID and fortunately he recovered, but he was saying like, I never take a break. And honestly, like it's been so nice to yeah. kind of be forced to have this. But again, we're not all so lucky, but it has been nice, especially now that The Simpsons is finally in the correct aspect, aspect ratio. Uh, yes, <laughs> um, the weary world rejoices. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> there are certainly more noble causes to be upset about, but that is uh, that does not make us less upset when those things happen to our beloved Simpsons. So it's nice that that was uh, fixed. Um, well, yeah, and it's well, and it's also it's the mainstay. You can go back to those characters, and there's something that feels normal. Absolutely, yes, I think that absolutely. that that's really a, a big piece of the Simpsons that has happened, and the people that have kind of tried to imitate the the edginess of the Simpsons but Matt Groening said one time um about you know he said at the end of the day and at the end of most scripts it's love your mother love your sister love your brother you know um so even though at the time when people didn't like Simpsons and actually when when I did come to Colorado and then people said I never watch it and or you have somebody that said Oh, yeah. They said, well, at first I wasn't able to watch it when I was a kid. And then I go to my friend's house and I watch it. And then I got into college and we used to stop everything and watch The Simpsons. And then when I was in grad school, we did it. And then in law school. And then I got married and my wife and I watch it. And then we had kids, but we don't wow. like them watch it. So I go yeah. for full circle now. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's so great. <laughs> All right, guys, we just want to thank you so much for making what Julia and I do so easy. It's just so fun, and, and we really feel like such a community with you guys. And having your support goes such a long way, not only in making us feel good, but making it really possible for us to give you the best content we possibly could. And you guys are the reason that we're able to continue this show, and we just can't thank you enough. So you've heard about the Maximum Fun Drive. Hopefully you guys are super excited to either up your membership or become a new donor. Uh, but we wanted to talk a little bit about our show specifically because as you guys know, we are a limited series and uh, this has been so much fun and we have really loved our engagement with you guys since this started. We weren't really sure, were we, Julia, about like how much people no. would even really like this new format. Well, it's risky every time to change anything about anything that's proven to be successful, right? And, right. you know, when we decided we wanted to change it to Round Springfield and really expand the conversation, um, you know, we didn't know personally if it was going to be good or bad. Of course, then it ended up because we were talking to Simpsons people being really great. But then, of course, then <laughs> we didn't know if the people listening would care about it being good or bad. And it turns out you guys love it. 
Yay. <laughs> I, I'm touched every time um, people reach out to us on Twitter or, you know, our other social media and say how much they appreciate these conversations and, you know, how much it's expanded, not only their understanding of the greatest TV show of all time, but to <laughs> really see these creatives who help contribute to the greatest TV show of all time. Like, what is their background? What has helped lead them to this place? And, and in a way, you know, I feel like it's broadened our topic beyond The Simpsons into way more about just how to lead a creative life, how to lead a positive life. And for that, I'm not only grateful as a host, but I'm, I'm grateful as a, a listener <laughs> in these conversations. Yeah, me too. And so we're now at a point where by the time the Max Fun drive is happening and even will be ending, we will be reaching uh, close towards the end of our limited series run. And so we want to make this an opportunity where you guys can let us know whether or not you would like a few more episodes. And the way to do that uh, is by uh, showing your support during this drive, letting us know on Twitter, just giving us uh, some feedback that can help us decide whether or not this is something that we choose to continue with you guys. Because it's going to happen between me and Julia, no matter what, that we'll continue our love of The Simpsons and talking about it. But whether or not we're hitting record and putting it out on Maximum right. Fun is up to you guys and whether or not you guys are are really wanting this. And we really hope you guys are. So uh, whether you're able to um, donate right now, we understand it's a difficult time. Uh, but if you can, we would love that support so much. And we would love to hear from you um, through this drive. Uh, so if you haven't had a chance to become a member yet, do so right now. Uh, go to MaximumFun.org slash join and contribute. So as we start to uh, wrap up, uh, we'd love to know if there are any areas of your career and different characters you've played that we didn't get to touch on that you want to make sure that we get a chance to. Well, the the one you didn't touch on, which probably was my, my favorite character to play, um, was Sherry Bobbins. Oh, God, how could we was, possibly forget? It was Sherry Bobbins. Oh, dear God. And <laughs> with Sherry Bobbins is that when I did that character, I was just basically understudying Julie Andrews because they really right. thought Julie was going to do it. Oh, wow. So I was, so when I was singing and doing the thing, they were just kind of using me kind of as the place mark for her. Well, then she was still on the fence whether she was going to do another, um, Another one for Disney of um, of that show. Um, Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. That was it. Mary Poppins. Uh, Mary Poppins. That she was going to do Mary Poppins. And so she didn't do it. And unfortunately, after that, she had had her throat surgery. And then she wasn't able to sing the way that she was. For me, it was so bizarre because I did it. And as, as a singer, I'm like a mezzo belter. And she's obviously like one of the best coloratura sopranos oh, ever. Yeah. And so <laughs> there were some of those money notes that I went, you know, could we just jack that up somehow? Because I don't know <laughs> if I can hit that note. But it was also, I didn't have the um, the luxury of doing it a bunch of times. Uh, so we were we did the singing part, and then we had just kind of done the read through, and then um, Alan Mike came back and said, you know, they want you to do the the character. And so it was, it was the only, like my husband does, like he does impressions of everyone. He's an amazing impressionist. 
the only impression that I could do is, you know, is Mary Poppins because I used to watch wow. it all the time. So that was really what made it so much better. Yeah. So, so you know, good. So for me, you know, and to, um, to sing her character, like, you know, if you cut every corner, rich is really not so bad. Everybody does it. Even mom and dad, nobody so sees it, then nobody gets mad. It's the American way. So that, you know, for, for me to be able <laughs> to amazing. do that character and some of the great moments, like when Harry Shearer, you know, is <laughs> when he plays Mr. Burns and the electricity comes and he goes, oh my God, what is that? He goes, ah, that's your heart, sir. And he goes, ah, that takes me back. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. so there were it's so such many moments of that and I got nominated for like an Annie award and it was probably one of the, that probably was one of the highlights of my career. I, oh, I would have amazing. to say, you know, um, that was one of my favorite shows and actually a show that I don't even know if I was in, but you know, um, the one that was, um, Lisa's the substitute teacher. Um, and that was Dustin Hoffman. And so she used to always say that was the very beginning of the series and she used to say oh you have your Semitic good looks so he took the instead of saying Dustin Hoffman he took Sam Etic as what he did for his <laughs> um because there was a point where no one wanted to do the Simpsons at it's all so crazy to think about but yeah and or so just like that cartoons was, in general I, I want to say for oh yeah mm -hmm. and then that was all of a sudden now where everybody has kids and they're doing stuff and saying oh my god I definitely want to do this and so it's harder I think for a lot of the people that have come up through the ranks as um animation people because a lot of those jobs are going to be taken by a star that would have star recognition right they'd be able to do you know that kind of stuff it's been an amazing journey though, man. I feel like so lucky and blessed to have done this and to work with the people. The people have been incredible. They really have. That's so great. You're incredible. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Thank <very> you. <laughs> this has been incredible. You're such a delight. I've just been smiling this whole time. And Yeah, we want to hang out with you. <laughs> okay, come on. Come to Colorado. We'll, we'll, we'll have a Frontier Airlines. Yeah, yeah. We'll really, get on one of five flights. It's 25% down, so it's a good time to come. Great. Uh, from COVID. <laughs> um, anyways, well, thank you guys so much. It was so terrific. I really appreciate it. Yeah, um, thank you. You mentioned uh, that you have a YouTube channel, but is there any other social media or any projects? That social, you want well, to? I, I, let me see. Mm, no, that I can think of, but I will get back to you <laughs> if I find something. And then you can put it on your show. It'll be brilliant. Great. <laughs> well, thanks, you guys. Yes, you. thank you. Thank you. And uh, Julia, where can people find you? Oh, thanks so much for asking. I'm at Julia Prescott on all the things. Allie, where can people find you? Thank you so much for asking. You could find me at Allie Gerst and all the things, and you could find us at Brown Springfield. Yes. Yay! Brown Springfield is a production of Maximum Fun. We're a member-supported show, so go to MaximumFun.org slash join to contribute. Our booking manager is Jesus Ambrosio, and our senior producer is Laura Swisher. Swish. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.